Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. Indeed, Miss Binder does a beautiful job. Amen. Amen. So, if you'd like to hear uh, in the concert, we have a concert coming up uh, February 28th, right? Over at the Starbright Theater. So, uh, Miss Ginger is going to be playing, and uh, some guy's going to be singing there, <laughs> along with uh, uh, another young lady, and then uh, a cellist will also be playing. We're going to be singing uh, some operatic pieces and uh, some other uh, pieces from from generations gone by. All right, so we encourage you to uh, to come out on February 28th at the Starbright Theater over in Summerlin. Well, I'd like you to turn your Bibles this morning to the Book of Matthew as we continue our study in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew and chapter 5 and we'll begin at verse 1 and seeing the multitudes he went up on a mountain and when he was seated his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
Let's pray, please. Our Father and God, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for your love, for your grace, your mercy and compassion. We thank you for your holy word that teaches us about you and about what it means to be a child of God. Father, we pray for each individual here and for every family represented, both here and those who listen by way of the internet, podcast. Father, we pray for those who are struggling, for those who are struggling with grief and the loss of a loved one. We pray, dear Father, for your comfort, for your grace and peace. The embrace that only you can give, that healing, comforting embrace. Lord, for those who are ill, we pray for healing. We pray for health. Father, for those who are discouraged, we pray for encouragement. And for those who are lost, we pray for salvation. For those who are spiritually blind, we pray that they be given spiritual vision and insight. To understand your word, to understand and to know your love. Father, those who are struggling under the burden of guilt, we pray that they would find forgiveness and release as they experience your wonderful gift of mercy and forgiveness. Lord God, we ask that you speak to us today through your holy word and by your Holy Spirit. Speak to our hearts and transform our lives to the glory and to the honor of the Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. And so last week we looked at the uh, first several verses, and today we're going to be looking at uh, verses 6 through 8. But we want to remind you of this wonderful word, the word blessed or blessed, depending upon how you want to uh, pronounce it. And what does it mean? What does it mean to be blessed? And you see the definition there, to be fortunate, well-off, happy, happier, in a state of blessedness or happiness. And its most basic definition, it means to be happy, but it carries with it the, the understanding that you are fully content. Contentment. Contentment. And that contentment can only be found in God. God created the human race, and, and he created us with the need for him. But sadly, tragically, people seek to fill this need with everything that is found out in the world. And what they discover is that those things do not fully meet that need. What does the world have to offer? Everything that the world has to offer is temporary. 
But God is eternal. His love is eternal. His presence is eternal. His forgiveness is eternal. And his comfort is eternal. And so, those who know the Lord know what it means to be blessed. And so as we look at verse 6, Jesus teaches the people, he teaches us, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So the attitude, and this, this section of the Sermon on the Mount is generally referred to as the Beatitudes. So the attitude or the, the condition, <coughs> hunger. And in the Greek, the word that's, that's used there means to, to pine or to famish, to crave, to crave for something, to be hungry, to desire. And Jesus is talking more than just about food. His references to the desire that we have, or the desires, the hungers that we have, Every human being has desires. We desire to do so many different things in our lives. Parents have desires or dreams for their children. And yet, what Jesus is referring to here is this, this hunger, this craving, this desire for Him, for God. And then He also refers to it as a thirst. You know, living out in the desert, we know what it means to be thirsty, to have a parched soul, if you will. It doesn't take long if you're working outside in the summertime here to become rather thirsty. And nothing can take the place of a nice, cold, you know, ice-cold glass of water, I tell you, when you've been outside working. But to thirst... And there are people who thirst for power. They thirst for riches, for fame, for comfort, for popularity, for position. But the thirst that Jesus is referring to here is the thirst for God, the thirst for righteousness. Now, he's not referring in, in the use of this term righteousness, he's not talking about an individual who thinks that by their own work or by their own power they can become righteous. There are some people who erroneously believe that if, if they, by their own power, live a particular life, then they're going to guarantee their place in heaven. No, that is not correct. The truth is, is that no one deserves to go to heaven. No one. Not even your sweet little grandmother, you know, who was the loveliest, sweetest person that you ever knew. She, like you and me and everyone else who has ever walked upon the earth with the exception of the Lord himself, is a sinner. No one deserves heaven. But God, by his grace, by his grace and by his mercy, 
has given to us the gift of eternal life. And he imparts to us righteousness. So take a look in this same chapter at uh, verse 20. Notice what Jesus says in this passage here. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, you see, the scribes and the Pharisees, they were scholars and experts in the law, the Torah, the first five books of Moses. And oh, they could, they could explain all of the law. And they went about making sure that others kept the law. As a matter of fact, over and over and over again, we read in, in the gospel accounts how that the Pharisees would point out to Jesus when his disciples had so-called violated one of the laws. They were referred to as legalists. The outward observance of keeping the law. Jesus, however, referred to them as whitewashed sepulchers. On the outside, they looked gorgeous. On the outside, they looked clean. But in the inside, in the heart, oh, they were not righteous. This word for righteousness means holy. Holy. Just. Justified. And innocent. But all of these are only made possible by God. They're, they're gifts given to us by God. Not something that we can do for ourselves. Now what's the promise? The promise is, is they shall be filled. Those who, who hunger and who thirst after God's righteousness will be filled. <coughs> and the term that Jesus uses here, very interesting, the word means to supply in abundance. You see, our God is not a stingy God. Now, you may have uh, run into or interacted with a few people who are stingy. <laughs> God is not stingy. And to be stingy is, is not to act like God, because God is gracious and generous and very giving. Our God is a giving God. Jesus says they'll be filled to overflowing, fed, filled, satisfied. It even means to, to gorge on, to supply in abundance. In Psalm 23, when David, right, he's, he's describing this relationship that he has with, with God and God with him. And he says, well, but I, I barely have anything to drink in my cup. Is that what he says? No, what does he say? <laughs> yes, my cup runneth over. Right? God prepares a table before me, even in the presence of mine enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. Our God is a God of abundance. Abundance. 
Jesus said that in him we find the abundant life. The life of abundance. But let's move on. The second point here also helps us to understand this, this righteousness. Notice verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And so this, this attitude, this condition, mercy, being merciful, that's to have compassion, to demonstrate pity. You say, well, you know, you've heard people say, no, I don't need your pity. I don't need your pity. Well, turn to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. A beautiful, beautiful passage in, in, in Psalms. One of, my, one of my favorites. Psalm 103. Let's begin reading at verse 11. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who do him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pities his children. You notice that? So the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our prayer. He remembers that we are but dust. Amen? God is merciful and compassionate. He pities us by divine grace. Now, over in the book of Titus, and have you turn there to, to Titus, and that's right after 2 Timothy. And they put the T's together, First and 2 Thessalonians, and then the first and second Timothy, followed by Titus. Chapter three and, and verse five. I've mentioned you have a new Bible, and so these pages they they stick together still. <laughs> notice now not by works of righteousness which we have done you see that not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior that having been justified by his grace we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. If you're here today and you think that by, by your own standard of goodness, that that is a guarantee that you'll go to heaven, you're mistaken. You're trusting in the wrong person. If you're trusting in yourself to get yourself to heaven, you are mistaken. Because 
We are all sinners, and we can only be saved by God's grace because of His mercy. Because of His mercy and compassion and pity upon us, He sent His Son to pay the price there upon the cross. Now, turn also to the Gospel of Luke in chapter 18. And remember, I've, I've said this many times, the Bible is its own best commentary on itself. Many commentaries have been written, many Bible studies, but the Bible is its own best commentary on itself. Mercy, grace. Beginning at verse 9, in Luke chapter 18. And Jesus spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Notice that? And despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee. So this is a religious person. He's a, he's a religious leader. He's knowledgeable of the Bible. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now the tax collectors were considered traitors <coughs> because they worked for the Roman government as they exacted taxes from the Jewish people. The other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. Why, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. You notice that? He was full of himself. He was full of himself. He was self-centered. He looked unto himself for righteous salvation. He looked to himself. He bragged about his behavior and his morals and his, his ethics and, and all of those things. The standard by which he lived by and he believed that that was a guarantee that he was going to go to heaven. There are people who actually think that because they live a particular lifestyle, they're going to go to heaven because of that lifestyle. Nothing could be further from the truth. They're still a sinner. They are still a criminal in God's universe. The Bible teaches that we are all guilty, every single one. But notice now the next minute. Verse 13, and the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. If you are too arrogant and too proud to admit that you are a sinner, then you are lost. And you are in danger of spending eternity in hell. The Bible teaches very clearly that without Christ, a person is lost. 
Jesus says in verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. And what does that term justified mean? Justified. The term justified means that they have been declared by God to be forgiven and accepted and treated as though they are innocent. That's the marvelous thing. That's why we sing the hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. T'was blind, but now I see. By God's grace we're saved. We're all guilty. But to come to know Christ as Savior, when we do, God the Father declares us justified. Justified. It is a legal term. A legal term in God's heavenly court. Because he is the ultimate judge. And he declares those who accept his son justified, forgiven, treated as though we are completely innocent. Imagine that. He says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Hey. Another passage that I'd like you to read is found in the book of Micah. Micah the prophet over in the Old Testament. So go ahead and go ahead and turn there. It's okay if it takes you a little while to get to it. Micah. Beginning at verse 8 there, we're just reading 8. He has shown you, O men, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly? Chapter 6. Chapter 6, yes, chapter 6. <laughs> Micah, pardon me, chapter 6, verse 8. He has shown you, O men, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now you notice that all of these passages are all consistent with one another? They're all consistent, aren't they? And you'll hear people that say, well, that Bible is full of contradictions. I've yet to have someone point out a contradiction. And I was teaching over at the, at the college, the students would say, I understand the Bible has contradictions, so I would put the Bible on the table and I'd say, show me one. <coughs> Do you have to have somebody show me? Now I did have someone say, well now, here's a contradiction. The Ten Commandments, it says, thou shalt not kill. But over in Ecclesiastes, it says there's a, right, there's, there's a time to kill. 
So the person thought they, you know, they, they had me, so to speak. Okay? I said, oh, that's because you don't realize that the Bible was written in different languages. And over in the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and Aramaic. And there's a specific word that's used in the Hebrew that refers specifically to premeditated murder, and it is the murder of a human being. It has nothing to do with animals, because there are those who say, we shouldn't kill the animals. Okay? It says, thou shalt not kill. It has nothing to do with animals. So the word there is actually murder, the taking of a human life, premeditated. But over in Ecclesiastes, it's referring to those times when a person might have to defend himself or go, go to war in, in the military or as a police officer in the fulfilling of their duties. Yes. Not a contradiction, but rather ignorance on the part of the person who thought there was a contradiction. Well, Back to Matthew. You notice, <coughs> notice the promise. They shall obtain mercy, compassion, forgiveness. Our God is a compassionate God. Our God is a loving God. He's a tender God, gentle and loving and kind. But make no mistake about it, God hates sin. God hates sin. It cost the life of his son. Verse 8 in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Clean, clear. It's referring to genuine devotion to God. They don't play at being a Christian. They are a Christian. That wonderful lesson that we had this morning in Sunday school. And if you, if you haven't been out for Sunday school, I want to encourage you to come out for Sunday school. 9.30 we, we meet. The ladies meet back there in the back. The men meet up here in the front. And we sit around and we, we discuss and, and look at and study God's Word. And the lesson this morning had to do with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And King Nebuchadnezzar was full of himself, like the Pharisee in this, in this passage that we read just a moment ago. And he built this great big statue. You ever notice how people are so full of themselves? All the statues all over the world, right? To this person, that person. This. And here, they like to, to name the schools after people. I remember one, one guy who was a teacher. He was a PE teacher, physical education, at, over at one of the junior high schools. And we were talking one day. And uh, he, he was also a, uh, a councilman and uh, an assemblyman a state, uh, in the state assembly. And uh, we, were, we were talking. And, and this is when uh, Nevada was considering implementing the seatbelt law. And he told me, he said, just give you a little information, a little insight. He said, that seatbelt law has nothing to do with safety. I said, what? He said, yeah, he said, that's nothing to do with safety. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, no, he said, oh, it has to do with money. I said, what do you mean it has to do with money? 
He said, yeah, you see, the, the, uh, if we enact the law, then the, the manufacturers of the vehicles can charge more for the vehicles. Because every safety feature that they, that they put onto a vehicle, they can charge you more for the vehicle. <laughs> and you know, you know that the politicians are all invested in the, in the corporations, etc. He said, yeah, it saves lives, but that's not the main reason. The main reason is money. Well, in time, they named a school after this young. And then, after he lived this life, and some things came out about him, well, let's just say he had a rather dishonest and immoral background. Oh, but they didn't take his name off the school. But all across America, what do they do? You know, the, the so-called founding fathers who were such terrible people. I tell you what, those founding fathers were brilliant. They were brilliant. They were brilliant. And God blessed them with that brilliance and they wrote that Constitution of the United States of America, which is the oldest national constitution in the history of humanity. Most people don't know that. Even though we're a very young nation, our constitution is the oldest. And it is the model constitution for other democracies. They've used our constitution, although they've changed certain things because they didn't want their citizenry to have the freedoms that we have in this country. Pure, clean, genuine, Devotion to God. In the heart, the thoughts, the feelings, the desires, the priorities. What are the priorities of your life? We mentioned a moment ago, people hunger and they thirst for, for power and position and fame and fortune and all that. I think even Elvis Presley sang a song, fame and fortune, right? Yeah. Yeah. But notice the promise that Jesus gives. They shall see God. And the word that he uses there means to gaze upon with open eyes at something remarkable. Yes, indeed. Part of this means coming to understand and to know the nature of God. And what, what, we, what we learn about the nature of God, we find in the life and in the teachings of the Lord Jesus. But it means more than that, because the day is coming when those who love him and have given their hearts and their lives to him will enter into eternity. And the Bible teaches that we will see God with our eyes. We will see him. We will see the Lord Jesus Christ in all of his glory. And we will fall down and bow down before him and worship him. That day is coming. It is not far off. We see the things that are going on around the world. And people want to know about proof, proof that the Bible is true. And I say, get yourself a ticket. Fly over to Israel. And guess what? It's there. Right? 
It's there. Israel is there. And the Jewish people continue to, to move back to Israel in fulfillment of God's holy word. That he would draw them from the four corners of the earth back to Israel. All of those places, they're there. Cities that are listed in the scripture, they're there. There. And there are even copies of God's holy word that date back to the 2nd and 3rd centuries B.C. There, on display. So how do these conditions and promises apply to us today? Well, we are responsible for the desires that we cherish. What are those desires that, that you cherish? Now the Bible teaches that when you, when you give your heart to the Lord, when you genuinely love Him, that He will then bless you with the desires of your heart. Because when you come to know Him, when you discover Him, and He is living in your life, your desires become consistent with His desires. We're called to be merciful people. Merciful. You, know, you stop and you consider these people who riot and loot and protest and go on and on with that stuff. All of that is wrong. It's all sinful. And it is all wrong. It's detestable. Do you know that these protests that, that happened in uh, 2021, I believe it was, right? In the Led to many people being killed, innocent people being killed. And millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of destruction. Because they take the position that because a certain person was a certain way, that justifies them harming someone else. That is a warped and inconsistent way of thinking. It is illogical and irrational. And it is wrong. We, however, are called to be merciful. No matter how wicked someone might be, we are still called to be merciful. Jesus on the cross was innocent. The people called for Barabbas to be set free, who was a murderer. And Jesus on the cross prays, Father, forgive them. Right? He doesn't Say, Father, destroy them. Destroy them, those wicked sinners. Is that what he says on the cross? No. Those no good blankety blank blah, on and on and on. No, that is not that is not his position. That's not the attitude of his heart. 
No, he, he prays, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They are blind. They are spiritually blind. And they need to have their spiritual vision opened so that they can discover and see God for who he really is and discover his great love and mercy. And how are people in this world going to experience or see the mercy of God if they don't see it through our lives? It's easy for us to point the finger, isn't it? We can point the finger and, uh, and call out the guilty ones like the Pharisee who said, Oh, I'm glad you didn't make me like that guy. You see, that's what the world does. That's what the devil does. All of these, these, these groups, these so-called groups, and all their, their protesting and their, and their riots and looting, what are they doing? They're pointing the finger at you and me and others like us. But we're not to point the finger back. But rather, we're to pray. We're to pray, and we are to ask for God's hand to change that situation and to change those lives. We're to demonstrate mercy. And people struggle with that. One day we will see Jesus Christ our Lord. And God promises his provision, his pity, his mercy, and his eternal presence. So the question here for you is this. Do you know that when you die, because you're going to die, unless the Lord Jesus comes first and takes us home, you're going to die. Death is real. It happens. It comes to each one of us. When the devil tempted Eve, he said, Now, did God really say that you would die if you ate of that tree? Did he, did he really say that? And you'll notice, she ate of the, right, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then she gave it to Adam, and he ate. Oh. And something happened. Yeah, they, they, they realized what they had done. Their eyes were opened, it said. When they, when they heard God coming, they hid themselves. Ah, guilt. 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 But God is here. God is present. God desires to forgive. God desires to give the gift of life. Oh, they lived for many years, but they all eventually died, didn't they? And we will die one day too. This body will go into the ground. Ah, but the spirit, the spirit will go to be with the Lord who gave it. And you see, everyone lives forever. This is what most people don't understand. 
Everyone lives forever. Everyone lives forever. Physically, they die. But everyone lives forever. But the destinations are completely different. For the believer, they go into the presence, the very presence of God. We get to see God and live. And then we're clothed with immortal clothing. But the unbeliever is banished to hell, to torment, separation, outer darkness. And people say, well, yeah, you know, all of my friends are going to be there. We'll be having a party. No, the Bible says they're going to be banished to outer darkness. Outer darkness. And that is forever. So we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. As we sing, the invitation is God's invitation to you to give your life to Him. Let's stand, please. Don't toy with it. Don't play with it. Don't reject it. The invitation is God's invitation. So as we sing, you come. You make your decision to accept Christ as your Savior because He's the only guarantee for eternal life. Let's sing, please. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.